0: Don't you have a channel? His word uh, heals, correct. Which I found by accident, but um, maybe it was not an accident after all. Um, I I watched them, um, and you also have um um. I'm sorry, a, a website because your videos, your videos and podcasts, I watch them on your website, not not on uh, on YouTube. Um, but anyhow, um, I think it's high time that um, we talked about um, this growing movement um about the um, Zadogai Zadokai priesthood and the Dead Sea Scrolls and people are moving fastly towards um this uh, type of um I don't know how to sell writings. Um yeah, I guess the, the writings. And you have done an extensive research, research that I couldn't find anywhere else. And I would like you to present that research also here. Uh please would you would you uh, present yourself first, tell us who you are and how you came about this type of information and your channel, your uh, website, I'm sorry.
1: Well, hello, Maria. I appreciate your inviting me to uh, join with you in this discussion today because I do think it is very important and that it may be leading many people astray. My name is Dawn and my husband and I have a personal private ministry called His Word Heals, and we started it years and years ago, and it can be found on Heber Nation Radio, and we used to be on um, another Messianic website as well. Um, We have a YouTube channel, but it only has some of our messages on there, but um, our website is www.hiswordheals.com.
0: Great. I will have the links for um, both your YouTube channel and your uh, website on the description when I upload this on my channel. So, all right, Uh, Don, can you uh, tell me how you came about this um, information that you were going to discuss um, today? Well,
1: I was familiar, we were familiar with uh different calendars and that type of thing. And when we came to the knowledge of Torah or Hebrew roots or first century Christianity or whatever you want to call it years ago, approximately around 2010, um, of course it was easy to figure out how and when to do the feast days and such, because the Jews have been doing it for 2000 years. You know, they are blinded to, who Yeshua Messiah is. And I believe that that blindness is going to come off, but they have kept the feasts and the biblical calendar for 2000 years. And so when we um, transitioned from the pagan, basically Christian holy days to the biblical days, we were able to find the biblical calendar and begin to study Torah without having to worry, is this calendar correct? Is this day correct or whatever? You know, we just went with that, what the Jews had been doing for a long time, knowing that the Jews still don't recognize our Messiah, but they have been keeping these feasts. Well, um, recently we became aware of this movement, as you talk about, of discarding the traditional which of course I'm sure that it does have different issues maybe, but discarding the whole thing for all of these other calendars. And there are many of them. And I am so glad that this was not a big thing when we came out because I can't even imagine people looking to the feasts now and saying, Oh, but when should we do it? This calendar, this calendar. I mean, it's so much confusion and division. And then, Mm -hmm. um, Recently, you know, I never wanted, we never wanted to really look into it because we knew what we were doing was right. And so we thought, you know what, let's not cause any further division. Let's just do what we're doing and encourage others and just let others know what we're doing. But recently, some major uh, teachers of Hebrew roots or Torah, or again, whatever you want to call it, have come out either endorsing the Zadokite calendar, so-called Zadokite calendar, or the covenant calendar. And so we just felt that it was time that father was nudging us for several different reasons. And you can listen to the audio and we explain those. I won't go into them here, That it was time for us to research this and see if indeed we were right in doing what we've been doing or if we should change. And um, so that's where this whole study started. And we just trusted the father to lead us down a rabbit trail of clues with the weight being placed on scripture, rather than on extra-biblical texts.
0: Yeah, exactly. So my primary question is on uh, the Zadokai priest- priesthood, and who were they? Uh, did they really live in Qumran? Uh, did they um, start this um, the Zadokai calendar, as uh, people are calling it uh, today? the calendar that was found with uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and um, uh, I understand that um, studying the calendar is what um, started you on this path, but you have discovered a lot of information, a lot of important information about um, the Zadokite priesthood, so can, can we can we start from there? Um, who, who were the Zadokite priests? I mean, where does it start? Why are we calling it the Zadokite priesthood and not the Levites? Okay, and, That's a great question.
1: Yeah, that Mm. is a great place to start. So, if you go to Numbers chapter twenty-five, we're all familiar with the story of um, the children of Israel in the wilderness beginning to worship Baal Peor, and Baal Peor uh, has a lot to do with sexual immorality and fornication. And so, there was an Israelite who brought a uh, pagan woman to the tabernacle, and they were uh, doing the unthinkable right there in front of everybody. And so uh, numbers 2510, oh no, let me back up just a little bit. Um, numbers 25. Okay, so Phinehas or Phineas the son of Eleazar, mm-hmm. the son of Aaron, the priest saw this act that these two were doing. And he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into his tent, into the tent, but anyway, and thrust both of them through. And so he put an end to this bell worship and Numbers twenty-five ten says, and Yahweh spoke unto Moses saying... Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned away my wrath from the children of Israel while he was zealous for my sake among them that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. So he saved the children of Israel because they were about to be destroyed for these acts. And he said, wherefore, Mm -hmm. say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace and he shall have it in his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood. And then during David and Solomon, uh, it was the Zadokite line of priests, a descendant of Zadok. It was yeah, Zadok, who was a descendant of Phinehas, that stuck with mm-hmm. King David and his choice of Solomon when um, the other priesthood members of the other lines from Aaron uh, went with one of the brothers of Solomon, who was not the choice for king, and so anyway, that's where the authority for the Zadokite priests come in, and so that is what um, some teachers are pointing to—that the Zadokite priests are the ones that should have the say over the calendar, the authority of the calendar, because they have an everlasting priesthood. And so, some of the scrolls found in the caves at Qumran, which there are eleven caves, and they're scattered along the Qumran bluffs. Um, Some of them are, you know, two kilometers from Qumran, but they call themselves, some of the extra-biblical texts, the writers of them call themselves sons of Zadok, and so they are the self-proclaimed sons of Zadok.
0: Go ahead. The self-identifying as um, descendants of uh, Zadok.
1: Correct. Mm -hmm. And so they very well may well be um, sons of Zadok, but that doesn't mean that they have authority over the calendar necessarily. And it also doesn't mean that they are the rightful high priest. And so the sons of Zadok is where the line of the high priests come from. Um, The line of priests can come from anyone um, descended from Aaron, but they say that the high priests should be the sons of Zadok. And so what I did find in studying the lineage of Zadok You can follow the lineage of Zadok in scripture to two brothers, and it's also testified about and expanded on the explanation in Josephus. And I don't have, unfortunately, in front of me the scripture, but it talks about um, an apostate brother to the high priest. His name was Manasseh, and the high priest in Jerusalem after the, the, during the time of Nehemiah. Now if we're familiar with Nehemiah was told or you know, during Ezra and Nehemiah's time, they told the priests to divorce their pagan wives because they had been marrying yes. pagan wives and the Northern kingdom had already been destroyed and they brought in outsiders into the Northern kingdom. And you can read all about that in scripture and the King of Assyria who destroyed the Northern kingdom put someone named Sandalet over the Northern kingdom as governor. And he gave his daughter to Manasseh, the brother of the high priest in Jerusalem as a wife. And so then when he was told, Manasseh was told to divorce his wife or leave the priesthood in Jerusalem he talked with Sambolet and Sambolet said, oh, don't leave the priesthood. I will give you the priesthood of the northern kingdom or of Samaria. It's not the northern kingdom anymore, but it's, it's the area of the northern kingdom. And there were still some Israelites there, but a lot of foreigners were brought in. And we know the story about um, there started being curses on the people that were living there and they thought it was because they weren't serving the god of the land and so they had the king of Assyria bring back priests that had been exiled to teach them how to worship Yahweh and so they started mixing the worship of Yahweh with the worship of their gods that they brought in from the foreign lands and so this is Sambalet who's head over this and so he promised Manasseh the high priesthood of Samaria And then ultimately got permission from Alexander the Great. Once Alexander the Great conquered, the Assyrian king got permission to build a temple on Mount Gerizim. And that's the temple of Samaria uh, that this Manasseh, who was a descendant of Zadok. So he could certainly, he and his descendants could be called sons of Zadok. They were, he was the high priest in Samaria on Mount Gerizim in that temple. And so I'm sure he took scrolls and everything with him. And I'm not saying that's who these people are, but they definitely the the inhabitants of Qumran could have been influenced by these people. I mean, we just don't know who wrote the scrolls. We don't have enough information of who lived there, and these scrolls are spread out for you know. a couple hundred years time period. Some are newer and some are older. And so that's just one possibility that some of the extra biblical writings could have been influenced by this line of Zadok priests that were actually Samaritan priests, and they were descendants from Zadok. Also during the Hasmonean period, there was a priest or ruler in Jerusalem named John Hercan- Hercanus. And he actually went up and destroyed the temple on Mount Gerizim. So I could certainly see there would be, you know, if some of the um, inhabitants of Qumran or writers of these scrolls were from the Samaritans, how there could be animosity against the Hasmonean dynasty. And of course, we understand that the Hasmonean dynasty didn't do everything right. But, um, you know, and they did things wrong as well. However, what we're basing our decision to stay with scripture on, and a lot of these extra biblical books in Qumran that are mixed in with um, actually biblical books can lead people astray. I mean, some of them do contradict scripture. And so are we supposed to, when they contradict, are we supposed to stay with what? Our Heavenly Father, our Creator, Yahweh, has given us and and preserved for us out in the open for 2,000 years, or should we throw out what we've been given and go instead with what are in these scrolls that we really don't know who wrote them, who preserved them, where they came from? I mean, there's a lot of theories, and I think one really good theory also is that many of the scrolls came from the temple library, Because um, we know that there were a lot of priests after Yeshua's time that did believe in Yeshua. We're told in scripture that there were some that believed. And so they would have known the admonition in, you know, from the apostles that when you see Jerusalem surrounded, um, Flee, flee, flee to the wilderness. Well, the wilderness of Judea is where Qumran is. And so did they take the scrolls and hide them there or have they been hid there? over the millennia is was that a place for hiding them and if it is some of it's the temple library I've got a lot of books in my library and that discuss extra biblical things that are not scripture and that tell us why you know what others believe but that doesn't mean that we're supposed to believe them and so could some of the temple scrolls been keeping track of all of these apostate Jewish believers and what they believed and that kind of thing. And so once you dig into this, there's also a section in the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's a scroll that talks about astrology and um, lots of things that we wouldn't want to mix with scripture. So it's just really dangerous, I think, if we get off in the weeds and start setting what's found in these caves above what he has preserved for us over 2000 years. Um, And I just think that we need to really be careful
0: well i'm i'm sure you know the um, the counter argument to that <clears throat> about the uh, the canon that uh, we have today well different churches um have uh, different canons but uh, anyhow um the the counter argument is that uh we before oh i don't remember the date but it was um definitely um hundreds of years after uh, Yahushua uh, lived that um uh, scriptures were canonized and um, people of the church decided which book stays in which book um, is not a uh, part of scri- uh, scriptures not part of the canon so they say i've heard many people say uh, that the jews did not have a, a canon per se they had scrolls and that uh, dead sea scrolls were part of uh, the canon we don't need and if not if we if we're not 100% certain of that, uh, at least we don't know which um, um, books which um, they considered divine and which they didn't. So, for example, we don't know for sure that um, the book of Enoch was not considered scriptures for the Jews before um, uh, the birth of uh, Yahusha. So that's, that's the counter argument that I've heard. So what's your response to that? My response to to that is,
1: I think that all of it is very interesting reading. And as long as it doesn't contradict scripture, then we can certainly learn from it and maybe, you know, get some ideas from it and that kind of thing. But if any of them contradict scripture, either we're not understanding it correctly or it's not correct and it's been corrupted. So you can't have it both Mm. ways. You can't believe in scripture and then believe in something that contradicts scripture. And I think we're warned um, also, a lot of the New Agers, and this is in our last video, such as Madame Blavatsky yeah. and Edgar Cayce, they point, and this was before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, uh, they point to the Essenes and a whole different Jesus and, and all kinds of ways that scripture jives with their New Age religion, which actually leads us away from Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth. And it mixes a lot of um, Eastern and Buddhism and all of that kind of stuff in with Christianity and basically creates a whole new God. But they, um, you know, a lot of people do believe that the, the Essenes were the sons of Zadok and they were the inhabitants of Qumran. Again, we don't know for sure, but those are these theories. So what do we know about the Essenes? Possibly, you know, some of their... Theology did match up with the apostles in the New Testament. I agree completely. A lot of it sounds familiar, but then so does what Blavatsky and Casey say. A lot of what they say will ring true with Christianity, but then they mix a lot of other stuff in with it that ultimately will lead you away from scripture and the ultimate truth of scripture, and maybe away from exactly who Yahweh says he is and who Yeshua said he was. And so if we read Deuteronomy chapter 13, it says, if there arise among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, and I would add to that, or some scrolls found in the desert and give thee a sign or a wonder. And that's what Helen Blavatsky, Edgar Cayce, um, Elizabeth Prophet, they all had signs and wonders and their visions and everything came true. I mean, a lot of it is documented that what Edgar Cayce said about people ended up being true. Well, so if he gives you a sign or a wonder, the sign or the wonder comes to pass, whereof he spoke unto you saying, let us go after other gods. If what they're saying ultimately leads you after a different God or the mixing of different teachings from other gods with the teachings of our God that you have not known and say, let us serve them. You shall not hearken to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams or those scrolls, in my opinion, for Yahweh your Elohim proves you to know whether you love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after Yahweh your Elohim and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and cleave to him. And so he does test us by allowing these things to come forward To see if we're going to say, oh, well, that sounds really good. Maybe we should follow after astrology. And because Edgar Cayce, he did astrology, he did crystals, he did all kinds of stuff. Yet he proclaimed himself to be a Christian. And a lot of Christians were led astray in this theosophy, New Age type movement to where if you study what they believe about Jesus, it's not the the Jewish
0: Messiah, uh, John, can you tell me again, please, um, how you make the connection with uh, the New Age movement and uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls?
1: Well, it's it's not necessarily a concrete connection. It's more, um, I cannot say the Dead Sea Scrolls, because Blavatsky and Casey were before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. The connection that mm-hmm. I'm making is that a lot of people are putting a lot of weight on this Is seen. Uh, there were three thoughts three main thoughts in um, first century and prior Judaism that are outlined by people like Pliny and Josephus, that there were, you know, there were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the third one is the Essenes. So there's not a lot Mm -hmm. known about the Essenes other than what Josephus and Pliny write about them. And so a lot of people believe that this third group possibly could have been, uh, maybe John the Baptist was an Essene, and they're saying even Jesus maybe was an Essene. Yeah, I've heard that. Right. So whether they
0: were or weren't. the first Christian scenes.
1: Yes. So whether they were or weren't, we really don't know, because we don't know a whole lot about them. And even if they were, can the Essene movement be corrupted? Because like I said, these New Agers are pointing to the Essenes, that, and and along with that, they say that um Jesus and his lost years went to India and Egypt to learn all of these mystery religions yeah. and that's where the Essenes you know they mix all that in with the Essenes so putting too much weight on these dead sea scrolls because they were the Essenes is dangerous because we don't know a lot about the Essenes and the new agers again are pointing to these Essenes and i just see some kind of possible apostasy there and yeshua never and that's the main thing who is our shepherd who are we to follow if we are followers of yeshua messiah did he ever contradict the the calendar that was in use at the temple or did he show up on the feast days at the temple When they were celebrating the feast at the temple, he had the podium lots of times. He could have certainly said, you guys are following the wrong calendar, but no, he even allowed himself to be crucified on the day that they at the temple were honoring as Passover. And so I don't believe that Yeshua would say, well, I'm not going to tell them about it because there's these scrolls are going to find 2000 years from now. And so they'll figure it out. You know, then I just don't see him doing that. So, shouldn't we follow and do walk even as he walked? And the ones that were have been in charge of the temple and in charge of this calendar, they were using the lunar solar calendar back then. And what that is, what the Hillel calendar is, maybe we should explain that. The calendar that's in use today came from when Jerusalem was ultimately destroyed, and there were no more. Sanhedrin and that type of thing to call the days in Jerusalem because of the diaspora, everybody was around the world. And in order to keep the Jews as a unified people, um, the leaders at the time calculated when the new moons would be seen. Whereas before, the new moons were actually sighted in Jerusalem and called by the religious leader or the temple leader at that time. And then everybody would know that okay now the month has started and so it's a lunar solar calendar solar in that it does um use the solstices in a way to keep the months in the same seasons to keep the feasts and to keep passover in the spring and and sukkot in the fall you have to use both the sun and the moon and so um Psalms 104.19 specifically says, and this is a scripture that you have to throw out. And I was even talking to someone who promotes the Zadokite calendar and gave him this scripture. And he said, well, scripture has been edited. And after the Babylonian captivity, it was changed. And so you can't basically his answer was you can't trust scripture. And if you start throwing that foundation out, that rock, Yeshua is our rock. He is Yahweh's word made flesh. If you start throwing that out, then anything goes. So we have to trust something, right? And so, Scripture, Psalm. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: I'm 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 sorry, Don. So according to to this uh, person, if we can't trust Scripture, what can we trust?
1: Exactly. That's my point. If we can't trust scripture, what can we trust? And so in order to believe some of these things, you have to throw out some scriptures like Psalm one hundred four nineteen says he appointed the moon, which is your rock. And one of their arguments is that um, Kodesh means month, not moon. And so Kodesh in uh, the English is translated a lot of times as new moon. Well, fine. Let's not translate it Kodesh as new moon. Let's translate it a month. We don't need to do that. In order to find in Psalms 104.19, it says he appointed the moon, Uraak, or Uraak, the moon, that's the word for moon. He appointed the moon for seasons, and the word for seasons there is Moedim, and that's appointed times. The sun knows it's going down. So here in Psalm 104.19, we have both the moon and the sun, and the moon is specified for the seasons or appointed times, the Moedim, um, which those are the feasts. And so the sun determines... The turning of the uh, year.
0: I'm sorry. Appointed appointed times refer only to the feast. The Moedim? Yeah, the, the that word Moedim, refers right. only to feast. Right. Or it's, other also appointed times.
1: Right. Right. It it, it can, it's not only to feast, but it is the appointed time. So the moon is for the appointed times. Well, are you going to say that he's not including the feasts in the appointed times here in this scripture only? When throughout scripture, you know, Moadim Mm -hmm. is the, you know, and it's talking about the moon and the sun here. And it specifically says he appointed the moon for Moadim. The sun knows it's going down. So if you have a lunar solar calendar, the sun keeps all of the feasts in the right season, but the moon determines the months within which the Moadim will be um, observed. And so it takes both of them to determine, and it always has since the time of Yeshua even, and people say, oh, they came back from Babylon using the Babylonian lunar solar calendar. Well, how do we know that? How do we know that um, Babylon, so what if they used a lunar solar calendar? So does China, but there's a whole lot of pagan religions that also use only a solar calendar. So it doesn't matter what was, what calendars does Yahweh want us to follow? And so does he, you know, we see where there's a greater light and a lesser light in Genesis. The lesser light is at night, the greater night light is in the day. And I've heard the arguments for that. Oh, the lesser lights are talking about as the moon. It's not, I mean, is the stars, not the moon. No, if you read that without an agenda, it's obvious that it's the sun and the moon. And then it also says, and the stars. So you have to throw out 10419 Psalms 10419 that says the moon is for Moedim in order to say nope it's only the sun that determines the feast days
0: whereas the lunar Do solar ha- is are both Are there also Okay uh are there also any uh other mentions apart from uh, Psalm 104
1: Okay um yes I did one of our audio only goes through all of the places in scripture where your rock moon is. And there are several that equate Kodesh with a specific moon, like during Solomon's time, it says, and I don't have them in front of me. So you'd have to go back to our website, to the blog page. I'm going to just mention this again. So people can go back and get these details that I'm not able to give them now, but it's his Forward slash blog B L O G. And if you go to our blog page, the last three uh, messages on there are all about the calendar. But you know, we go through all of the places where rock actually moon appears, and there are ones that say um the the Yarak of Bull, and they named it bull because it has to do with um it's not a pagan name, it's a Hebrew word that means like uh, harvest or or that type of thing. And so it says the moon of bull, which is the seventh month, the seventh Kodesh. So it says the Yurak of bull, which is the Kodesh seven, the seventh month. And so it's equating the name of a certain moon with the number of a certain month that was for the harvest. And so, yeah,
0: I think I I know, I know to which you're referring. I, I don't remember which, um which, uh, Part of the scripture is, but um, I I I know I know to which you're referring, and um, in uh, the Septuagint because I'm reading the Greek Septuagint since I'm Greek, <laughs> um, and uh, it doesn't say uh, which is the seventh month. Apparently, I, I remember that I have uh, looked that up. Huh, which, which is, is okay.
1: This one says which is the eighth month. I just looked it up. It's First Kings six thirty eight, and it says, "And the eleventh year in the month or Kodesh, bull." I mean, sorry, in the month, and they've got it translated as a month here in the English, and it's actually um, your rock moon. So in the moon bull, which is the eighth Kodesh was the house. And I haven't looked it up in the Greek Septuagint. I've got one over here that I could look it up in real quick, but I did not look it up in that um, finished throughout. So there's also, um, let me find, there's another one too. Did you look up all of them? Because there were several that did oh, the same I thing. in this and- one. Okay, so you did look up the one no, in the text actually it says eighth month. Yeah,
0: I didn't. I didn't look it up because I watched. I listened to your podcast because I haven't. I haven't heard that, uh, this specific one. But um, I, I was talking with a friend of mine for uh, an irrelevant uh, topic. Topic, and I did. Um, I remember that we did touch on that, and I did uh, go to the Greek Septuagint, and it wasn't there the month. I okay. remember.
1: And so was it Second mm. Kings six thirty eight or the a different one
0: now. Uh, can you tell me again? Because I have, I have the situation now in front okay, of me. Okay, I'm the sorry. Se- Second Kings.
1: I'm sorry. It's actually First Kings six thirty eight okay. is one of them.
0: Yeah, no, I can't find the the First Kings. <laughs> it's not the third on my book. Anyway, I, I I'll find it. Go on, because I don't want to okay. pause you here. Sure. And I'll find it.
1: And I'll tell you another one. That's First Kings six thirty eight, and then there's um First Kings eight two that says all the men of Israel were assembled to King Solomon for the festival in the Uruk moon of Ethanim. That is the seventh Kodesh month. So there's another one that has um, a specific moon equated with a numbered month. And then, and then it's interesting if you go to second Kings 15, 13, It says, as for Shalom, son of Jabesh, he became king in the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, and he reigned a month of days in Samaria. Well, the word there for month is Urak. So it actually, he reigned a moon of days in Samaria. So if the moon was not used for the time period of a month, why would scripture say somebody reigned for a whole moon, right? What difference would that make? if the months were actually not dictated by the moons um then there is um and i'm just going through all the places that come up with rock. let's see first king 637 in the fourth year the foundation speaking of the foundation of the second temple was laid for the house of yahweh in the yurach moon of zev why name the moons if they're not used to determine a time period um so anyway okay. th- that one you know one of the uh, audios that we do goes through all of these and so i would just encourage people to go and listen to those
0: okay um now about the scenes because you you mentioned them um what what information um do we have and do we have any information from scripture or it's all extra uh, biblical sources
1: Well, I think the Essenes are pretty much all extra biblical, but then, yeah, the word Essenes doesn't even show in scripture, I don't believe, and nobody really knows exactly what the name Essene means. Um, There are different theories. So, yeah, I don't believe that scripture really even touches on the Essenes. We know the Pharisees and the Sadducees from scripture, but We don't know of the Essenes, and people argue that's because they weren't in the temple at the time. They were kicked out. They left, and so they were in Qumran. Well, I still think that if they were, you know, important for Yeshua's mission, he would have mentioned them. And it's possible some of the apostles were from the Essenes, and there there were different Essene groups. I mean, just think of it now. We have how many Christian denominations, and all of them have some truth. In them, and all of them have Mm -hmm. some error in them. And why wouldn't it be the same in the day of Yeshua? There were lots of people that had disagreements regarding scripture and that type of thing. So some of the apostles could certainly have, you know, identified with the Essenes. We don't know. Some were zealots. We are told that one, Simon, was a zealot. And that's another sect, basically. They were the ones that believed they should be overthrowing Rome. And some, you know, like Paul, he was a Pharisee. And so Yeshua came to unite his sheep, which had been, we're told in scripture, the shepherds had let the sheep wander astray and it hadn't kept the sheep on the straight and narrow path. and. They had no shepherd to lead them. And so that's why we needed Yeshua to come and lead us and to gather his sheep. And he told the Samaritan woman, that's another one. The Samaritan woman said, our father said that we should worship on this mountain. Well, until I started to do this study, I didn't know why she was saying what mountain it was and why she was saying that. But she was referring to Mount Gerizim, where there was a temple that was destroyed by John Hercanus. And the Samaritans believed that that was the place of worship not Jerusalem. And so again, you have to throw out the scriptures in order to uh, go with the Samaritan religion. You have to throw out the scriptures that say that Yahweh chose Jerusalem. And so that's what the Samaritan woman believed. Now, he, Yeshua did not condemn her for that, He just, but he did tell her that you, you Samaritans who worship on Mount Gerizim, you know not who you worship But we do referring to the Jews for salvation is of the Jews. And so, again, he was pointing to the authority coming out of Jerusalem, even if they didn't have everything right. He was pointing to the authority of the Jews over salvation. And we can read uh, Genesis. Okay, the prophecy by Jacob over his sons, uh, Jacob. 40, Genesis 49.1, Jacob called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And so over Judah, Genesis 49.10 says the scepter or the um, stic- scepter means the stick for punishing, for writing, for fighting, for ruling, for walking, etc. Uh, that's what this word translated as scepter means shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver, and that is that word for that is to be ascribed simply by implication to enact uh, laws being cut in a stone or metal tablet in primitive times, decrees, etc. So the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him the gathering of the people be unto him the gathering of the people be the obedience the word for that means gathering or to obey so who are and this was for the latter days the end of times whatever so who do we recognize as you know keeping the feasts and all of these things for the last 2000 years judah it doesn't say zadok it doesn't even say levi it says judah and so who do we recognize as judah now that would be the people who have been keeping these feasts for 2,000 years, is who we recognize to be Judah right now, the southern kingdom. And the prophecy for Levi from Jacob for the end times says, Simeon, this is Genesis 49:5, Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly come not thou into their secret unto their assembly. Mine honor be not thou united for in their anger, they slew a man and in their self-will, they digged down a wall. And so we're told not to enter into their assembly or their secret or whatever. So is that speaking of, you know, don't throw out what Judah has preserved in favor of those who say they are Zadokite priests because we really don't, or Essenes, because we really don't know who they were. And Yeshua could have called many Essenes out of Essenism, or many Samaritans out of Samaritanism, and many Jews out of Judaism. And so, again, who do we follow? We need to follow Yeshua, and he followed what was uh, the authority that was in place and the calendar that was in place at the temple.
0: What about that part of um, scripture, which, of course, again, uh, which um, gospel it is, I don't I don't remember, uh, where it says, his brothers tell him that you know it's the feast and we need to go to present ourselves. And Yehusha says, "Well, no, not me. I'm not coming. You go. My time hasn't come yet." And then in the end, he went secretly. Right. So that was. I, I think that's an instance that he did not follow the um, the feast. He did not present himself, even though he he had to according to.
1: But he did. You know, the law. He just told him that he wasn't going to, but he did it. And don't we have that scripture that says? Who did right, the one who says, I will not do it and goes and does it, or the one who says, I will do it and then does it not, right? And so Yeshua uh, obviously had a purpose for telling him that he was not coming, um, but then he did go. And I think it's because I think it's pretty obvious because he knew that his time to be crucified had not yet come. So he was not going to go openly yet, but he was going to go secretly instead. And then when his time did come, he did go in the open to where they everyone could find him. And so I think that that's being taken out of context, if that's going to be used for okay. him him uh, saying that, you know, this isn't the right time to go. I think that's totally out of context.
0: Okay, I see what you mean. All right. Okay. I want to go um, one more question I have about the Essenes, because I've heard that the Samaritans were the seems People are equating these two groups. Have you heard of that?
1: No, actually, I hadn't heard that people were saying the Essenes were Samaritans. I just found that it could be a possible connection, but I had not heard that people had said that.
0: Yeah, and um, I had studied um, a lot um, New Age, um, New Ageism. Let's say, let's call it uh, that. And uh, I was not aware of the connection with uh, the Essenes. I've heard that from you.
1: And I found uh, and that, then I did uh
0: oh I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you please continue.
1: I was gonna say, and I was just gonna repeat, and I found this connection with New Ageism and these scenes off of the Theosophy website, Helen Blavatsky's website, and Edgar Casey's website. So I found this connection on the New Agers websites themselves.
0: Okay, that's suspicious. I mean, more than suspicious, uh, if they're mentioning these scenes. Um by them a small study that I have done on the Essenes, I've I've read a little bit about them, Uh, it's not extensive but um, I have realized that they had very weird and um, customs and um, I don't know with the rituals and the baths from what I've read the Essene doctrine, whatever that was doesn't ring very true (laughs) Uh, very scriptural, let's say Uh, they did have um, a lot of uh, ritualistic baths and cleansing cleansings and uh, fasting. And I don't know, this, um, this um, sounds more like a cult than um, followers of, uh, you know, scriptural uh, doctrines, let's say.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, we know that apostasy and, other religions and the Babylonian mystery religions and that kind of thing from scripture. We know that that has had seeped into Judaism. And so just like it has seeped into Christianity. I mean, of course, Hasatan the enemy is going to have a lot of scripture, but he's going to mix in apostasy just like he used. Yeah. He used scripture to tempt Yeshua. But Yeshua came back mm. with scripture and said, it is written. And so I have to believe that Yeshua has given us scripture with which we can say is it, it is written without saying, oh, well, maybe the Jews changed that or maybe the Christians threw that out. I mean, he has to give us something. It is written. And so he, our creator of heaven and earth, the sovereign, is able to preserve for us what he wants us to be able to call upon as truth, the rock. And I just don't believe that he would preserve for us something that's going to lead us astray or that we have to decide what is going to be thrown out in the end times in favor of something that was hidden in a cave. And so we have to have something to counter the lies that are coming in. And so we need to go to scripture and say it is written. And if what is written contradicts what's found in a cave, then we need to go with it is written, I believe, because there was apostasy when uh there was apostasy throughout the history of Israel, but Yahweh is able to preserve what he wants preserved for us. He is not his his arm is not too short yeah. to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I also I also believe that. I agree with you. Um can you um from the you know on the top of your head, can you uh give me an example of um writing on um, from mother dead sea scrolls that you found that contradicts scripture can you remember any
1: well yeah i have um i have my i've got a two books of the extra biblical scrolls that i'm just now studying i haven't read through all of them obviously i like i said i never started studying any of this till i started studying the calendar but um i've got one marked here and I think I touched on it earlier. Okay, this is from the book, The Complete Dead Sea Scrolls in English, translated by Giza Vermis or Vermees. And mm-hmm. page 370 says one of the scrolls, speaking of one of, or actually three of the scrolls, scroll 4Q186, 4Q534, and 4Q561. And the four represents which cave these scrolls were found in. And cave four is the one where the whole biblical canon basically was found in there along with other extra biblical scrolls, which makes me think that it was like the temple library or perhaps it was the Samaritan temple library, who knows? But there's both all of the scriptural books in there as well as extra scriptural books. And so this one, these three fragmented scrolls, they've entitled horoscopes or astrological physia physiognomies and um, it says the Hebrew text published by J.M Allegro is written in a childish cipher and this is for 4q 186 the text runs from left to right instead of normal right to left and uses in addition to the current square Hebrew alphabet letters borrowed from archaic Hebrew or Phoenician and Greek scripts. So again whoever wrote this one was going from left to right instead of right to left Does that sound like a, uh, You know, a Zadokite priest would do that. Um, And then further down, it says in astrological terminology of the document, the second column doubtless means the second house and the birthday in the foot of bull should probably be interpreted as the president's presence at that moment of the sun in the lower part of the constellation Taurus. And then it, further down, it says, whether the sectaries forecast the future by means of astrology or merely used horoscope-like compositions as literary devices is impossible to decide at the present, though I'm inclined towards the latter alternative, that such texts are found among the scrolls should not, however, surprise anyone. For many Jews frowned on astrology, others, such as Hellenistic Jews, uh, writer Epolymus credited its intervention to Abraham. So... Some of the Hellenistic Jews say Abraham used astrology. And so if you read the excerpts from these scrolls, it's basically, you know, how to tell if somebody is uh, full of light or full of darkness, according to their birthday, under which astrological sign they were born and that kind of thing. Does that sound like something from scripture? But yet it was found in K4 with all of the biblical canon.
0: Yeah, that sounds very biblical astrology. <laughs> okay, so I mean, um, there's
1: other things too. I mean, the more I study, the more I see where there are things in these extra biblical scrolls that are contradicting scripture. Okay.
0: okay, but you know, that's that's not an example that I could use against uh, uh, people who. Uh, believe that the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, should be part of the scriptures because I'm sure that they these people uh, wouldn't say that you know all of the scrolls should be part of those scriptures I wouldn't believe that these people would say that any, exactly. a book on astrology should be
1: exactly I totally uh, so, agree with you yeah. I'm sorry I, exactly yeah. I totally agree with you but that's my point is you can't take some of the extra biblical scrolls that disagree with scripture and say, well, these, you know, like the sun only calendar, this one's right, even though it contradicts scripture, but this other scroll that was found in the same cave with regards to astrology, no, that one we're not going to say. So if it contradicts scripture at
0: all, it should not be put above scripture is my point. Do you have any opinion on uh, the book of Enoch and uh, Jubilees?
1: I've read. Because these books of, are
0: also, uh, I'm right. sorry, these books are also used for the Zadokai um, calendar, supporting right, right the Enoch. solar calendar. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I have read a while back um, Enoch, I think at least Enoch 1, and I've read parts of Jubilee, and I find them quite interesting, especially where they expand on the biblical narrative and maybe give us some understanding of what, Jewish thought was with regards to the scriptural biblical narrative on these different topics, such as the giants and that kind of thing. And I think they can be very useful possibly for, you know, historic lessons and that type of thing, but they should be understood with relationship to scripture. So they should not, their understanding, I don't think should supersede scripture, but Just like we do the canon, if there's something in the canon, like some of Paul's writings that seem to contradict what our creator said in the Old Testament and contradict his commandments and contradict some of the things that Yeshua uh, said, if what Paul writes seems to contradict, it's not because Paul is contradicting, this is our belief, and it's not because scripture contradicts itself, it's because of our understanding of what Paul has said and possibly the English translation of what Paul has said that we are not understanding. And so we have to understand what Paul wrote and be a Berean just as the Bereans did. They understood or they searched out and studied what Paul was saying to see if it lined up with scripture. Okay. And so that's what we need to do with Jubilees and Enoch and any of these because we don't have a, uh, You know, maybe these were written by people that understood them differently, just like the English translations. Or we have to understand them in relation to actual scripture, not throw out scripture and say
0: these are right and scripture is wrong. Yeah. So you're saying that these uh, extra biblical books, if we're reading them, we need to try to understand them um, having scripture in mind. Correct. That's what. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I also think
0: that's that's in theory.
1: Sure. And another warning too, I think if you are not completely confident in what scripture says and haven't you know, studied scripture extensively, don't leave scripture and go studying these extra biblical books because ultimately the most important thing is honoring Yahweh the way he says to be honored and his salvation, which is Yeshua Messiah. And so we need to be Totally familiar with our Messiah, with our Savior, with the laws of Yahweh, and our salvation comes, everything we need to know for salvation is in Scripture. Okay. And so until we are completely confident in what we believe and how we understand Scripture. We shouldn't go off reading all of these other things because they can certainly lead us off into the weeds because we don't understand scripture or have not studied scripture in the Torah and the New Testament as well as we should, and so they could lead to misunderstandings. And so I think it's really important to first of all and most importantly at least read through the entire Bible from beginning to end one time. You know, and I don't think I think it's very possible that a lot of new people that are coming out of Christianity. And seeing all of this for the first time with all these calendars and everything, they could certainly be let off into the weeds if they don't go and study the beginnings of Scripture before they go to the other books.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, That was my point when I said, well, that's good in theory. Uh, Know your Scripture and then uh, read these extra biblical uh, books because, first of all, uh, not many people understand Scripture. And I don't think that reading your Bible once from right. uh, the beginning to you know till the end is enough. It's not, right? <laughs> Definitely not. Um, so I would I would say that maybe we shouldn't read them at all, um, at least not after years and years and years of um, studying uh, scriptures. Um, and I would. And um, if we're studying them, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, just this sentence. I'll say and I'll stop. Uh, if we're reading them, because I have read them, not all of them, but I have read um, some of them, uh, I read them and then I do a lot of research. So I listen to a lot of people who have, um, uh, you know, stated opinions on them, uh, positive and negative, uh, because I wouldn't trust uh, my knowledge in uh, scripture so well because I, you know, I, I'm I, new on uh, studying the scriptures. I wouldn't trust my understanding of scripture. So I wouldn't uh, assign myself as the arbiter if uh, what I'm reading extra biblically is correct or not and if it contradicts or not. So I want to have the opinion of other people who are pointing things that contradict and then other people who are saying that it doesn't contradict. And that helps me. Yes. Uh,
1: yes. And yeah. I, I think that's a really good approach. Uh, and I really do think, and you know, of course we have to be filled with his Ruach, his Holy Spirit, we first and foremost need to trust in Yeshua as our Messiah, be born again into his family, and ask for his indwelling Holy Spirit to guide us, um, because he promises that he would send a comforter who would remind us of everything that he said, and so, um, you know, we also have to have his indwelling Spirit to give us wisdom when we're studying, and that is so important, but His spirit is not going to contradict what he is going to hold us accountable to know. And I think what he's going to hold us accountable to know is going to be what he has preserved in the open in English for all of us to be able to read over 2000 years. And I agree the English translation isn't the best, but you can get salvation, understand salvation and who Yeshua is and who Yahweh is from English.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Scripture uh, should be enough um, for your salvation. Right now, the other information that extra biblical uh, books give—historical information or expansion on uh, events from the Bible—okay, uh, but uh, we cannot know whether these uh, events are um, correct or not. They may be, they may be partly correct, or they may be completely wrong. So, what's the point? That's in the end. That's what I, you know. I'm left. Um, I'm left with what's the point? If if I can't know for certain, I'm reading something and I say, okay, maybe that's correct. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's partly correct. How does that help me?
1: You know, that's a really good question.
0: And so maybe
1: your the rest of your question would be, so what's the point? Let's just believe and go yes, on exactly. our merry what's, way, what's right? The point? <laughs> right. And I think we're warned to be watching and the feasts have to do with the time of watching and so do the Jubilees and all of that. And Yeshua did reprimand the the people back then for not knowing the time of their visitation because they weren't watching. And so hmm. that's why it's so important to read scripture and be watching for his signs, his seasons, be doing the feasts, be getting together. And see, none of us has everything figured out. I don't have everything figured out. And all I'm trying to present here all we're trying to present here is an you know like you said an alternative argument of why maybe we shouldn't put too much trust in all of this maybe we need to be a little bit more wary and um you know discerning than to put all of our trust into something just because someone else does um so we need to be watching and reading and be uh one of the five um virgins who is prepared and watching and awake yeah. for his coming so that we're not taken by surprise, so that we're not baffooned by the deception that's coming. Because it says, if it were possible, if this deception is going to be so great that even the very elect might be deceived if that were possible. And, you know, the very elect or, you know, reading a scripture and everything. So it's it's going to this deception is going to seem biblical. It's going to seem like oh, this is what's right. And I've he- even heard other people, other proponents that I know personally, saying, "Well, this is the time of the restoration of all things, and so he's restoring the calendar and restoring these scrolls." Well, perhaps, or is this the restoration? Yes,
0: and that the Go yeah, ahead. and that the truth will uh, come out uh, during the uh, not during. I'm sorry. Uh, what uh, as the end of the end times approach the truth will come out and they equate equate the dead sea scrolls the discovery of the scrolls with the truth coming out
1: right so they're using
0: it for their advantage yeah
1: that's one of the arguments and that's a good argument but then again i want to always put caution to it the restoration of all things does that come during the great tribulation or is that going to come during the millennial kingdom We know that the great apostasy is going to come during the tribulation before the messianic kingdom. So I think we should be wary of the restoration of these mystery religions, the restoration of the Babylonian religion, the restoration of apostasy. I mean, that's going to be coming. The great falling away, we're told, is going to be coming before the messianic kingdom comes. So we need to be careful that we don't accept the great deception, the great apostasy that's coming first as the ultimate restoration.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It seems to me, because because of the weird of, of, of cultish practices of these things, I tend to believe that maybe the discovery of the disease scrolls are part of the deception and not part of uh, the truth coming out. And, and- also...
1: Go ahead i'm sorry yeah yeah,
0: yeah. No, no. no 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 i because i was gonna say something a, a bit different uh please um, comment on that and uh we'll continue after you
1: could it not be both could it be as the enemy does mixing 80 20 the 80 20 rule 80 truth 20 lie to fool people because the dead sea scrolls are invaluable showing how ancient the biblical books are. And a lot of the biblical books, what we can read of them, because a lot of them are, you know, destroyed. You can't read every verse and line and all of that. But a lot of what we can still read matches up with scripture. It's like, praise you hallelujah. But mm-hmm. could it also be that these extra biblical books were just keeping track of apostasy so that people back then understood the apostasy that was coming in, just like we have a lot of stuff now that disagrees with Scripture that people might read just to see. I mean, I'm just saying it could be both, couldn't it? Couldn't it be a a um, a wonderful um, a wonderful confirmation of Scripture while also seeking to introduce a lie into um, believers' consciousness?
0: Yes, absolutely. But that's the trap. That's the trap. Because if you find elements there that um, confirm the scriptures, then you will be more eager to uh, also accept the lies as uh, scriptural. Right. That's the trap. Right. That's a big trap. Yes. Uh, That's my problem uh, with uh, all this because um, up to a few months ago, I also believed that the Dead Sea Scrolls should be part of uh, scriptures. And if people believe that the Dead Scrolls should be part of the scriptures, then that means that even the twenty percent of lies should be part of scriptures,
1: right? Including the horoscope, the stuff that I just read you.
0: Yes, even the horoscope, because uh, then when um, if you if you want to uh, believe that the Dead Sea Scrolls should be part of uh, the canon, the scriptures, then you will want to try to find a way to reconcile to reconcile. Uh, things that, you uh, know, at first glance don't uh, sound scriptural, but since uh, they are part of scripture, so we need to find a way to reconcile it. So even, even astrology, we should find a way to say, okay, it's not astrology per se, because we have in Deuteronomy, you know, the command, stay away from astrology, from studying the stars. So, okay, we will not call it astrology, we will call it something else, and we will make it part of uh, scriptures we will say that um uh, the stars are also part of uh, you know yahweh's uh, creation and uh, it's not an astrological study it's a study of the creation i don't know
1: well and i know another uh, way that you can about. you can justify that among a lot of other apostasy that could be found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And like I said, I haven't read them all, but I, I am familiar with some other things that aren't really scriptural that I can't name off the top of my head. But I, like I said, I just started studying them. But just Theosophy, Casey, Blavatsky, Prophet, they have the answers. They have those answers that say how this does jive with Christianity, how a Jesus that went and studied uh, the mystery religions in Egypt and India is the Jesus of scripture. So there's already a religion out there and it's called new age that makes all of this mixed together and jive. And this is the Babylonian mixing and mingling of the holy and the profane. And there is a religion out there where you can find all those answers.
0: Syncretism is called, I think.
1: Possibly. Yes. And I, I haven't, and I haven't studied it much because I don't, I do not recommend anyone reading those sites, honestly, again, if you're not familiar with scripture, you're not grounded in your faith. You, you know, you're just learning. Do not go and read Edgar Cayce, Helen Blavatsky, Theosophy and all of that, because it is so uh, deceptive and it's a lot of it sounds good and mixes in what sounds scriptural in with all of these other religions. And so it's like, no all of the faiths of the world all had something right and we need to mix them all together and that's the ultimate religion well we're told we're warned about that in scripture it's you know the one world government the one world religion that's the religion of the anti-messiah he's going to come and think he has all the answers and bring all of these religions together and all of that we're warned of that in scripture and that's what this new age stuff does
0: yes and uh, since you found uh and i'm anybody can can go and verify that theosophy mentions the Essenes and using uh the beliefs of uh, the Essenes then that should be I uh, read you know a red light uh, to people
1: right and and it could be that maybe the Essenes were something good and maybe and I've thought about this too maybe these new age channelers have tried to corrupt what the Essenes really stood for so that they could mess up the belief in the Essene stuff. You know, you don't know. That's what's so deceptive about deception is that we don't know. So why not stick with what we do know?
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I don't. Okay. My, my sense, my, I don't know how to describe it because I I, I was a new ager, um, like big time new ager. I had, I have studied astrology and tarot reading and all sorts of um. Uh, things before i started um reading uh scriptures and i left all that behind me um Praja. i can tell you that yeah crazy, yeah exactly um what do i want to say oh yes um by reading uh, about these scenes i can tell you that they're very mystical and scriptures are not mystical I uh, okay that didn't sound very very uh the, the way i wanted to i wanted it to sound i don't mean that there isn't <clears throat> A divine message, you know, in the scriptures and Yahuwah's plan is um, mystical in the way that not many, not all people understand it. There are layers in in scriptures. Uh, there's the literal, and there's um, another layer that is prophetic. Then the typology. It's, so I'm not saying that uh, scriptures are not that they don't have a. I wouldn't call it mystical. I I, I don't know how to describe the scriptures but i wouldn't call them mystical in in the sense that i i am saying that the new age uh is mystical and the scenes their practices and things that i have um uh read they seem mystical in the in the new agey way not in the scriptural way so this preoccupation with angels and um and other other dimensions and I don't. It, it feels mystical to me that I have studied mysticism for decades. It drives where it it's it's it, 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 it's as if I'm I'm reading new age things. Um, did I make myself um, clear or I I think I people?
1: I think I understand what you're saying. Um the mystery religions, the new age and all of that seeks to transfer knowledge that only the initiated have supposedly.
0: Yes. And, and the Essenes were huge believers of that. Right. That, that their knowledge is not for everybody. It's for them.
1: Right. And you can the see chosen in Kabbalah and stuff too, which is where this whole mystery religion stuff did infiltrate you know, Judaism as well. Um, but there is a passage that says the hidden things, those things which are revealed belong to us, and the hidden things which are not revealed by Yahweh belong to him and so yes that is where the fallen angels come down and try to get people to follow them and that's where the whole i believe the whole babylonian mystery religions came from was from knowledge given to mankind from the fallen angels that we weren't supposed to have in the first place and so then it's passed along to those initiates that want to worship these fallen entities and um Mm -hmm. Some of it may be true and some of it may be not but in either case it's not what Yahweh chose to reveal to us so why should we try and learn it?
0: Yes and I will add to that um I don't remember where because I I do not know scripture by you know by heart and <laughs> um, maybe you remember uh, it it says that uh, Yahuwah says that even the fallen angels, even the angels don't have a whole uh, you know uh, the whole knowledge, even them, even they. So if we're saying that uh, fallen angels came and and taught humanity um, things that the humanity wasn't supposed to know or it wasn't for humanity to know, even even this is not a hundred percent correct because even the angels don't have the whole picture. Right. Only Yahua has a whole picture.
1: Amen. And he
0: didn't reveal it, not even to the angels. So they don't have it
1: totally correctly
0: yes. all of it yeah do you I remember totally where, where, where that is mentioned uh,
1: which one the hidden things belong to Yahweh Um uh,
0: no what I said that the, even the angels uh, don't have um, don't know everything
1: uh, well oh. Yeshua was asked when certain things uh what will be you know um, I can't remember exactly what the question was but he says no one knows the time the day or the time not even no, the no, Son of for, Man, but uh, only the Father who is in heaven. Is that the one you're speaking
0: of? No, no, no. It's not the one. Um, it's not the one. Uh, I think that's, no, I'm sure that's mentioned um, in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament.
1: It could be. And uh, it's, it's not ringing a bell right now, but I'm sure, I mean, that sounds like something that would be there too. That's
0: okay. If if um, if I find it, uh, I will add it on, uh, on the description Perfect. so people can go and uh, read it. Because I know for I know for sure that that it's it's in the scriptures. Uh, anyway, okay. Any uh, anything else that um, you know it's important and you would like to mention?
1: Um, no, I think that you know just the most important thing is if you're studying this stuff like you said, study both sides. Don't just say, "Oh, well, this this person's a famous teacher; he must be right." Whereas you know, you need to study for yourself, listen to both sides, study both sides. And most of all, one of my prayers when entering into this was, um, father, please don't let me be deceived, but don't let me be a deceiver either. And where that came from was a scripture that says that the deceived and the deceivers both belong to Yahweh. And so, like Deuteronomy 13 says he will send deception to see if you're going to follow it or if you're just going to believe him. So, yes. And we have that interesting story in the old Testament where a prophet was sent to go do something. Um, and he was told not to eat or drink or stop on the way because he was supposed to deliver a message. And so he didn't, but then there was another prophet that came to him and said, well, as he was leaving, please stop in and I'll feed you. And he said, no, if I can't stop, I've got to leave. I'm not supposed to eat or stop or anything. And this other prophet said, oh, well, yeah, I'm a prophet too. And, uh, Yahweh told me to tell you to stop in and eat. Well, so, okay. So he stopped in to eat and he ended up being eaten by a bear or something, but anyway, he, he was punished because he did not do what he know. He knew that the father had told him to do. And so Ultimately, we are responsible for our walk, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and we are responsible for what we believe and what we follow. And so if, you know, there's a teacher teaching something, well, you need to make sure it matches up with scripture because ultimately you're the one who's responsible. You can't say, well, they said, or they taught or whatever. Um, we, that's why we too much is given, much is required. And we are given scriptures. That we can read, and that's what we're going to be held accountable for is what we were, what we had available to us. If that makes sense,
0: I believe that that's maybe the most important thing that um, you said. <laughs> uh, that's uh, the most important message that uh, people will uh, should um, stay with um, and take it under serious consideration, because there are many teachers now out there. With uh, the internet, it's very easy to follow many, many uh, different uh, teachers and I totally agree with you that we should always try to contradict every single teacher yes. and only the ones who cannot be contradicted should, um, you know, we should um, stay with them and even with them we should never stop praying for, um, you know, his light to guide us um, to light our heads, I mean, and our... Um, so we can uh, discern our discernment. And even um, the teachers who hold in uh, in the end that scrutiny, even those teachers, we shouldn't blindly follow them. We should always read scriptures again and again and again and again and again. That should be our base and our starting point and our end, you know, uh, end point. Scriptures. Not any teacher out there.
1: I totally agree. I totally, totally agree. I don't want anybody to, you know, watch or listen to anything that we provide without checking it out for themselves, being good Bereans, because that is a lot of responsibility that a person is putting on another mortal human that can only be put on Yeshua Messiah. He's the only mortal human that had everything right because he was Yahweh's word made flesh. So... I I would not want anybody to take anything that we say, because I'm sure we're wrong about some things. I have no doubt about it, because not one person has everything figured out, but we do try to base everything upon scripture as, you know, as led by his spirit.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, Don, that was a lovely discussion. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I will link, as I said in the beginning, your um, website, and your youtube channel even though i should um, say again that your um, youtube ch- channel doesn't have all the content that you can find in your website so people should go to your website primarily um and um uh, thank you for um you know the work that you're doing uh, not many people are um, are out there talking about this uh, topic and i think it's important that people have this information or at least take it down, uh, you know, under consideration.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me for this discussion. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing as well. Praise YAH that, um, you know, for all of his people that are out there seeking truth, because I think that's ultimately what we all want is the truth, or we would still be, you know, sitting in a pew on Sunday morning. So, you know, we're all just seeking truth and and we all need to. And I think that's why he says, um, don't uh, neglect the gathering together of yourselves, especially as the day draws near, because we all have little pieces of the puzzle that we need to share with one another and iron sharpens iron. So thank you again for inviting me and thank you for what you're doing.
0: All right. Thank you. Uh, maybe we can speak again uh, sometime. Sure. So, rather than later. That'd be fun. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, um, have a great uh, rest of your day. You and as well. Hopefully we'll, we'll stay in touch. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Goodbye. Bye.
0: Bye-bye.